gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 19, the review segment for Friday, April 18th, 2014. Today, Matt Patches has turned into a nanobot puddle, and he's here to tell us all about how computers will save the world or maybe ruin it. I know. I'm a technophobe, so I, I fear them. I so fear you use a, you use a keyboard evolution. as a doorstop? I, I use an old-fashioned keyboard. I actually have a typewriter hooked up to a... Uh, a dot matrix printer. No, I have no idea. Never That's mind. very steampunk. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure that the steampunks get really into this future. Yeah, where do they fit into the whole technophobe thing? They like <sighs> technology, but they like it being old. And made of brass. <laughs> it, it all it all fits in somehow. It's all in the details of Wally Fister's Transcendence, which is the movie we're reviewing today. It stars Johnny Depp and Rebecca Hall. Uh, Johnny Depp turns into a supercomputer. Which it actually, doesn't actually that, turn into Well, one. I know. That was my pithy like, the description of what the movie was. It was like, Johnny Depp has a supercomputer. But it actually kind of is what happens. They upload his consciousness into a computer, kind of Ray Kurzweil style, where it's, uh, you know, human beings merge with computers, and then some bad things happen. Does that seem like a fair description? Yes, they definitely upload. It's not exactly... It, it's more like copy-pasting <laughs> his consciousness onto <laughs> a Word doc. And then seeing what happens from there. Um, but yeah, pretty much. And um, so once Will Caster, that's the name of Johnny Depp. Will Caster, that's a good name. Very smart um, computer scientist. He He's actually attacked. He's There's an assassination attempt on his life by this group of technophobes, these anti-technology terrorists. And they shoot him with a bullet at point-blank range. Um, doesn't kill him. Oddly nope. enough, no. Not at first. Um, but they lace it with radiation for the slow yes, burn do. effect. Um, so this gives his wife, Evelyn, played by Rebecca Hall, um, a ticking clock. You know, they we have to do something with him. What are we going to do? We're going to upload him to a computer. And when they do that, um, everything seems honky-dory until he has full access to the internet. And he's in the cloud. And we'll, they have to stick a they have to stick a server out a window to get him full access to the internet. They need I, signal. Where's the best? Signal? Where's the signal? We like should have put movie. him in 4G. Damn it! <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah. And then when he when he finally has full access, um, he he decides to move to uh, the set of Thor out <laughs> in the middle of Arizona, and and build this like scientist colony or you know these these labs in the middle of nowhere where he can kind of well he trickle uh, out right he is inside a computer and he is building things uh his he has his wife rebecca played by rebecca hall who's building things that he tells her to and he's basically become this operating system kind of like the ship in wally or what are some other examples? The ship in wally is your best of all knowing uh, computers where your face shows up on a screen and you kind of you know, what are good examples of Lawnmower Man is probably the easiest comparison. I just I just rented that movie and um between Lawnmower Man and then Lawnmower Man 2 Job's War. Uh Job I'm sorry, Job's War? Uh Job's War. It, it's basically the same thing. It's like both Lawnmower Man sequels collided into one. Um where this yeah, you just have this pervasive digital force where he's he becomes power hungry because it's not really 
the Johnny Depp that we put into the computer. That's the thing. That's why copy paste is so important here. Um, it's it's kind of him integrated with a computer. Uh, artificial intelligence that he had created before he died that was already nearing the edge of self-awareness, nearing the technological singularity of of, of knowing all. And uh, when it combines with his human mentality, um, that's Although- when it starts getting really hungry for saving the world and that sort of thing. But that's actually how they know it's not really him because Will Castor never wanted to save the world. He just wanted to innovate. And this computer version of Will Caster wants to, you know, heal people with nanobots and um, build solar panels. That's one of the many confusing things about this movie where at one point, you know, one of the characters asks, is it even him anymore? And Morgan Freeman says, it doesn't even matter. Morgan Freeman being one of the uh, scientists who starts working with the uh, anti-technology rebels to bring down computer Johnny Depp. So he says it doesn't matter anymore, but then that becomes a major emotional beat near the end of the film. And it's almost like the film didn't even make up its mind about whether or not it was still Johnny Depp. It kind of changed it based on what was convenient. And it kind of, what's supposed to be the emotional through line of this movie is very similar to Inception, where you've got this married couple who have gotten caught up in something that's bigger than they are in this world that they have control over and... Do they have too much control and have they lost themselves within it? And the, you know, the movie can be diverting and there's some action sequences and there's a bunch of people fighting in a desert and it looks like the set of Thor, like you said. But then it kind of moves back into this emotional through line and Rebecca Hall and Johnny Depp are good actors. You kind of, you know, want to root for them, but it doesn't make any goddamn sense to what's going on between the no. two of them. <laughs> what, what do you Does mean? It? What I do mean, you we mean? We can get into spoilers later, but I don't, I don't want to spoil it too much immediately, but I just, on an emotional level, I don't think that it makes any sense. What do I think you mean it's trying by to throw that? all these wait, what do you, wait, what so, do I mean by it doesn't okay, make any so, sense? Okay, so so I wrote this piece about transcendence on, on nerve.com recently because when I got out of transcendence, a couple of, of colleagues of mine, I walked out feeling pretty I, I like this film. I, I I get really um swept up by all the techno babble like You like the ideas. Yes. And I've seen a few people say that transcendence throws out ideas and doesn't really stick to them or or drive them home or really explore them in any way they just kind of mention and move on i don't know if i agree with that i mean i like the idea that you know if you put a human brain with the capacity of uh, a computer tapped into the internet what's the first thing you do well maybe you inside trade and get 60 million dollars within an hour that's what happens at transcendence um and and then build these nanobots and what what are the things that uh, a computer with a human mentality would be able to accomplish and i think transcendence starts diving into that and that's the most interesting thing to me like how would you rebuild human skin using nanobots well the way that transcendence does it seems kind of logical i mean i'm interested in that kind of those kind of questions and answers that it, it, it alludes to. I mean, I think that it touches reality without ever saying that this is reality. And I can believe all of it within the context and the logic of the world of this film, not necessarily the reality. If I knew more about nanobots, if I knew more about computer technology and, and the evolution that's going on right now, then maybe I would have more questions. But I, I, I don't really get caught up in that. And a lot of the people who walked out of this film were like, this is impossible, nanobots. You know, they don't do, they don't fly in the sky. You can't control them with your mind. I'm like, who knows? 
knows? I mean, the computer could probably do that. I don't know that. I have um, no problem with any of that. I mean, that's what science fiction is. It kind of takes what's real and then extrapolates it and gives you some impossible version right. of it. But it throws so many different things at you. You kind of get adjusted to one version of the technology they're playing with, and then it throws in the flying nanobots, or then it flies in the super well, soldiers I, so he I, can I, control with his mind. And it doesn't commit enough to any of them for you to feel like they're fitting in within this real world. So you're kind of trying to grasp the stakes and there's a couple of instances where they kind of set up the technology's power and you're like oh I wonder if they're you kind of get the sense of like rising action and tension of wondering what's going to happen and then it pays off and it's really rewarding but a lot of other times it's just kind of being like and now we can do this and now this is happening (laughs) now we're going to jump ahead two years and they've got a bunch of satellites but isn't that how I mean for me personally that's how technology feels but does that how a story is that how you want to have a story told to you I feel like that's really different I don't care if that's how technology works I want it to make a compelling story it's not how technology works per se it's how it's how technology is um construed to us it's how it's written about you know what i mean like all of a sudden we're making discoveries or all of a sudden we have this piece of technology you'll look twice and we we've made this innovation like i i get swept up in the development sure, that but we have the, in real I mean, life but like all saying, of a sudden it can be it can just be and that's really but I does mean, that make that it an interesting true. thing to tell us is that an interesting way to tell a story i, I think it's think an it. interesting way to depict the the frightening aspect of technology i um, I've been I've been thinking a lot about this because you know evil computers have been in the cinematic lexicon for a very long time. I wrote this piece about you know I was thinking about Frankenstein, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, just the original 1881 novel, and just like what that meant at that time to kind of go into technology and extrapolate it from there and have like a a tangible monster to see this walking beast playing God kind of thing. And now today to try and do that, I mean, our monster is in the cloud. You know, our version of Frankenstein um, wouldn't be a tangible piece of technology. It would be something that's invisible. It would be something that's a microscopic wire. And, yeah, I mean, you're and that's like, the and that's the hard part. I the think. parts of this movie that are the most interesting are when you've got this really this actual kind of ambiguity. Where in the very beginning, when they get Johnny Depp's consciousness right. uploaded into this computer, you've got Rebecca Hall's character is like, "No, it's him," and then kind of immediately, Paul Bettany's character, who is their friend, another scientist, is like, "No, it's not him. It's not recognizable," and she kind of rebels against him and there's this very brief period of the movie where it's like she's on the lam with her computer husband now that's a little awesome. crazy that's a little crazy no, i can super... totally buy johnny depp's will it's... caster okay. like inventing things out of his butt but like suddenly sucking his wife into it and convincing her to no. like go off and build a city in the middle of the okay, desert you've is crazy. interrupted me let me finish what i was saying <laughs> There's this part where they're on the lamb together and she is his wife and she believes it's him. It's the technology that he was talking about. There's no reason for her not to believe it's it's possible. And you kind of do have this divide between not knowing if she's right or if Paul Bettany is right. And, you know, if you really want to extrapolate forward and being like, what's this movie about? It's probably going to have action sequences. She's probably wrong. And then it becomes really unambiguous that she is wrong and that he is kind of up to no good. And that even if he does, even if he is technically trying to save the world and the movie does kind of end on a note where you don't totally know what he was trying to accomplish it's obvious that the evil computer needs to be stopped but i like that ambiguity i liked what you were talking about where you know the the evil isn't a wire and it's all happening before you know it and you're setting up this world in which these computers really could be taking over us and we're not noticing it but that ambiguity goes away so fast just in the expense of having this kind of you know hip rebels in a cave versus the evil supercomputer i think it loses a lot of that nuance as it goes you do feel like there's a note at the end of this movie to look to go Michael Bay 
with things where like, like the nanobots the have to start mind controlling the people of the town and they have to become soldiers and suddenly it's the US government with their analog jeeps and guns and uh, versus things with computers tapped into them and and having a big firefight um, it's absurd although you- although I will say that I I kind of like the idea you know uh, Wally Pfister is a cinematographer, longtime cinematographer for Christopher Nolan, and um, they are diehard film people. They want to shoot on film in a world that really everything is shot on digital now, um, and they're adamant about it. This was photochemically processed. It looks beautiful. I have to yeah, say that I really great. enjoy Transcendence on a, on a photographic level because I'm just like, look at the grain. Like, look at the light. I, it just is captured differently, and we forget. I, I mean, I really forget what film looks like going through this process, which was so common back in the 90s and before. Um, and we just don't see it today. I think that when the CG starts intruding, I'm almost appreciative of that because it feels like what film and um, the, fil- the film look, the film technology is going through today where CG is just in- encroaching upon everything. You know, it's it's intruding. It's it's doing what we're actually watching in the, t- in the, the context of the story. It's invading um and but i do agree with you that there's no real gentle segue here between the kind of con the conceptual ideas of will caster being this computer that's just innovating on the fly in the background and being this cloud enemy and then all of a sudden it's a huge battle like gi yeah. joe rise of the cobra i mean that's I mean- what the, that's what the nanobots keep reminding me of <laughs> Um, I mean, I thought about I thought a lot about Inception during this because you know obviously there's the Christopher Nolan parallel. You've got some similar cast. Actually, oh, Killian Murphy's in the same. Anyway, there's a lot of Nolan people in this movie, and some of them. Morgan Freeman. Oh, wait, he was not. He didn't not make Inception. the Inception cut. He was just a no, Batmaner. Yep. Anyway, because um, Inception had kind of a similar story about this couple in the middle of something, and it had this way of really meshing ideas and m- turning it into action sequences. And there are parts of Inception that feel clunkier than others, but it really went smoothly. It made me really appreciate how intricate Inception was and how what a good do- job it did of meshing ideas with action, which is something, I mean, even The Dark Knight Rises had a hard time doing. And you watch Transcendence try to do the same thing and you realize how difficult it is and how hard it is to shift from here are these high-minded ideas about technology in the future to let's have an action sequence where people are shooting at each other in the, de- in the desert. It doesn't feel like a natural transition at all. No, I I do agree. That's pretty clunky. And I think part of it has to do with... I don't think this is really on Wally Pfister, oddly enough. I mean, I really... Um see him kind of shooting the shit out of every uh, out of every scene here I th- because I he's a that... cinematographer he has to also no it's true um there was a very interesting article on uh, npr um about a lot of the visual information that this movie gives and i really think it it works like what can we read into the images that wally shoots on a very on close-ups and and what does this information mean because so much of what um Johnny Depp's character does in the cloud behind the scenes um, we're watching we're just watching it take place as opposed to being told exactly what's happening and and you know kind of being having our hands held as we walk through this story um, but I do I do think that there's not enough in the script for the actors to kind of chew on um, between this moment where Will Caster becomes an, a, a nemesis, uh, an adversary, 
uh, when he turns yeah. evil. Because he's and not then a real when, character when, before then. Because you don't you don't sense him as a person before all this happens. Well, I think we do. I mean, I think he. I think Johnny Depp plays the Howl Nine Thousand character here really well. Howl I mean, Nine Thousand, I think, is the character I kept trying to think of he, in terms of evil, 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 omnipresent computers. Right, and it has to be gentle. Like the thing about Howl Nine Thousand is that he is not doing anything wrong. You know, he might be, a, he's our go-to evil computer, but he is only following orders. He is still a human creation. And in the case of Transcendence, um, Will Caster is still just a human who wants to accomplish the goals that his wife has set out before them. They want to save the world. And he does. I mean, I don't know if there's actually anything in Transcendence that um, is evil on the part of his character. He just wants to save the world and purify it from uh, all the, the problems. Or does he also want power? I don't think you can say he just wants to save Well, the world. I don't think he wants power because he wants power. I think he wants power because by being in a place of power, he can purify. He can make everything that's right. That's what Hitler wanted, too. Well, that's true, but so, I mean, you Pretty have to... Pretty similar <laughs> motivations to Hitler, I think we're talking here. Honestly, like, desire for power and a desire to purify. But his, but but Will Caster's purifications were obvious, you know. Like someone is blind, I can correct that. Um, but someone you can is feel Jewish, I can kill them. it could get Hitler esque later. I think later. you're defending Hitler here. Honestly. Oh my God, no! This happens every podcast. Um, <laughs> but the problem with this movie is really Paul Bettany's character and Kate Mara's character. They're not fully developed enough. We need to understand what's going on. We need to feel the resistance more. I think of this movie and really understand the technophobic side of this argument and why people who start off as the villains of this movie become the heroes in the like end or like understand that. that complication more. I don't think that's pushed enough. I think the the science of uh, artificial intelligence is pushed hard, but the, the adversaries are not. I, I mean, I think that is a problem, but I think it's far from the biggest problem. I think you need to kind of start with having this real relationship at the center that we're supposed to have this emotional connection to in the end, which basically ends with a metaphor. And we can talk about that getting into spoilers. Like I think the movie thinks that we have more of an investment in that than we do. And that is the big fatal flaw that then kind of leads into all the other things you're talking about. Like these uh, antagonists turn into protagonists, not being developed enough, which is totally true, but I would fix a million other things first. What, what do you, what, so what do you think the problem is? Cause what's interesting. And you and I were talking about this before the podcast is that, you know, I don't want to go off rotten tomatoes too often because oh my God, you know, it's a very, it's a non, it's not a good piece of data, the rotten tomato meter. Um, because who knows why someone went rotten or if they were just on the edge or whatever, but transcendence right now, as we record, this has a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, and that is far below things like Rio 2 and Divergent. And uh, I did not see Rio 2 or Divergent. They're both horrible, okay? <laughs> um, I don't understand what the hate is here. Are there higher expectations? like, Or what is Transcendence getting so wrong with people? Or what do you think? Like, Are the, are the little things that we have problems with in this movie grading on people i don't understand does it, it does it come off as high and mighty does it come off as important i mean i i think this is a silly movie the, it may actually run into problems for being too realistic i think i i made this claim actually during rio 2 that 
I'm, I'm tired of movies being so straightforward and realistic. Uh, even Rio 2 has a problem. There's movies about talking birds. Or well, the problem with Rio right? 2 is that it's just meet the parents. It's just a family story. It's trying to stick to this obvious narrative that all of our movies have to have. Um, the problem with Transcendence is that it's too, it's too obvious. It's too grounded. It's trying to be something real when it is actually just... Um, Lawnmower Man, again, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it can be really city, silly and bombastic, and you wish that everything that Transcendence does that's interesting in the realm of technological conversation happened within, like, 20 minutes, and it could get to the bombast and maybe in 30 seen, minutes and go crazy. It could, and, it and could you, be, like, all of the Matrix trilogy in one movie Yeah, with, with, with Johnny Depp at the center of it. He could be Agent Smith to this whole thing. Can you think of a single laugh in this movie? Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, actually, I laughed when they made an Alan Turing joke when they checked into a hotel. Oh, they... okay, all right. That, that is like the driest possible joke. There's no humor in this movie. There's, I mean, even Why, Inception But does there have to be jokes. Nolan's movies? I mean, obviously, Fister's taking a lot of cues from Nolan here. Does it have to be a funny movie? Nolan no, Nolan's have a movies are funny, but they have humor in them. I mean, I, every time Tom Hardy had great lines in Inception, it was part of what made it fun to this actually. This movie did need Bane. This movie is glum. It so just goes on, and it's so serious. And my uh, my colleague Richard Lawson, who reviewed it for Vanity Fair, compared it to a Michael Crichton kind of movie, where it's got really big science ideas. But Michael Crichton had fun with his ideas. There's it's no all. So I think that's a difference. It doesn't need to have laughs, but it doesn't have true all. Well, I mean, those are two different things. I mean, I think awe it could use as well, but any just sense that like it's kind of cool to be able to create this stuff, not even laughs, but just excitement and energy and like the idea that this is an interesting world to be part of. But you don't feel swept up when um, he uses nanobots to cure the blind man or heal a wound in seconds. I think it's interesting, but I don't feel emotional about it. I'm kind of impressed by the idea of it without feeling any attachment to it emotionally. And if I got any sense of the enjoyment that Rebecca Hall or Johnny Depp was getting out of it or any sense of how they feel about it, not just that they're intellectually interested in it, that would make it more interesting. Hmm. It's interesting because, I mean, I don't know how close to true science it is. It just sells itself as close to true. And I guess I feel I'm in awe of of the fact that it's possible that maybe we could use nanobit, nanobot technology to solve these problems. And that is kind of astounding to me. It is, but, I mean, I've felt... Maybe I'm also in love with Rebecca Hall. You're applying your own external awe (laughs) that you want to feel. Like, you're astounded by it, but the movie doesn't give you any of that. That's just what you It's Rebecca Hall selling it for me. I love her. I love her. I love her, too, but I don't This is not a good movie for her, though. She has a lot of, like, overacting moments Um, here. I don't think I ever really understood the term mansplaining until I saw this movie. Oh, my God. What? I had always... Because there's so many parts of this movie where they're being like, listen... I know you think this is your husband, and I know you think you're doing good work, but let me tell you, that's not what's happening. And they're all right. She's completely wrong the entire time. And the movie kind of tries to paper over this weak female character by adding in this other Kate Mara character. But as we've said, that character barely exists. The Kate Mara character is extremely disappointing in how aggressive she is in the beginning and then how much she kind of just she does nothing trails off into this girl who carries a gun in the background yep. later I, it really doesn't make Guy, sense to hair. Me. she changes the color of her hair you know, <laughs> big no deal clue. big deal yeah and like did you like the east um i like the east yeah it kind of reminded me of the ellen page character in the east if that character had had nothing to do like it's a really similar <laughs> kind of character all like, of those characters had a little bit more going on than kate mara 
Yeah, I mean, and it's a very different kind of movie. That's not totally fair, but yeah, it really it reminded me of that role. And then seeing Kmart. the problem is we saw Night Moves. Yeah, before this, and that's Night Moves is an extremely different movie that maybe could have taught transcendence a thing or two. Um, we should get into spoilers because I do really want to talk about. Okay, the we'll sound the spoiler gong. So. Seriously, what do you think the final shot of the movie is supposed to mean? Um, can you can you remind me? The final me? shot of the movie is these sunflowers that grew in the backyard. So at, at the very end, Rebecca Hall and Johnny Depp both die. Paul Bettany survives. Uh, the nanobot, the tech, the computer is taken offline in a Y2K, which is actually a thing that Killian Murphy has to say. They, I love that there's a Y2K. And then he says Y2K out loud. It's the first time anyone has said the words Y2K in a movie since. I'm like, like oh, right. I remember that that party. Yeah. So all computers are taken offline. The Johnny Depp computer is killed. Rebecca Hall, for what complicated reasons, is killed alongside him. Um, so Paul Bettany. Oh, wait, wait. Of- it's spoiler territory. She's been poisoned with a computer virus, from my understanding. Trying- no, it, it, she. It, well, she no, she's killed by bullet wounds. Anyway. But she's uh, been poisoned with a computer. How does that work? I was work? trying not to get into it because it's boring. What it's but it's a boiling boiling it's a boiling spoiler. She has a computer virus that kills Johnny Depp inside her. So therefore, it kills her. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it does go off the rails. It a goes wee a bit. off the rails. But so at the end, Paul Bettany is at their house and he sees these sunflowers that grew in their backyard, and he's kind of got this voiceover monologue about how the sunflowers were their you know were who they were, and I think maybe he says like they live on like you know they're not well, gone as long as you remember them, and then you see. This water, like the water dripping from the sunflowers, and it's established earlier in the film that, like, the basically the clouds have been seeded with nanobots yes. and the puddles are full of nanobots. And so you see this puddle beneath the sunflowers, and we're supposed to assume that the puddle is still alive with the nanobots, even though the computer virus has been wiped out. <laughs> I re- and it, it's I think it's not even supposed to be plot wise, but like a metaphor for how they're still alive. But it seriously doesn't make any sense. I mean, it definitely insinuates that the nanobots live on. I think. But why? How? And because, who cares? Well, how I would say is that we don't understand the technology <laughs> that we create well enough to know how to eliminate it. So this whole big action sequence that was supposed to have been resolved turns out to have been beyond our human comprehension. Yeah, it's basically like the after credit scene in X-Men 3 where uh, <laughs> Magneto loses his powers and then after the credits – no, the last scene. It's just the last scene of X-Men 3 is Magneto still moving a chess piece with his mind, kind of undoing the entire thing. It's like stab him with the, the solution that – reverses his powers and yet he can still have his powers um and that's kind of the same thing here i mean it's like we think we can control technology we think we can come up with ways to eliminate it and we can't we it's out of our control once we create it if we are reckless in our creation of this technology it will live on forever and it will come back to dominators our problems linger i mean i thought it was supposed to be purely metaphorical like i didn't even get that part of it that's what i think is part of the muddled message just like in the end you're, like Rebecca Hall says to him, oh, it was you this whole time and we're supposed to believe that it was all Johnny Depp in that computer and no like self-sentient computer trying to just for ultimate power. But we have no reason to believe that's true and I still don't know that I believe it's true. But I, I don't, don't think, think the that's movie, true. How, who, but that's what, what she says. What would possibly lead you to believe? You really believe, think that it was just Will Caster 100% no computer influence? No, I didn't. But unfiltered? then Rebecca Hall said it and we were supposed to believe in this emotional moment oh, between them at the end. Are we I supposed to believe it. she's still deluded? 
I, but because that makes the emotional ending of the movie completely hollow and dumb. I think she just needs to know that she 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 needs to die. You know, she needs to keep lying to herself. Is that what not we're lying? To that ending? no, that she, she's accepting Will Caster's death. That even by sidestepping death and uploading his consciousness into a computer doesn't mean he's alive. It means we're prolonging it with something. But she's talking to a reanimated version of her husband, saying but it's it not was ah, the whole see. Time. Yes, but this is the problem. It is. It's not reanimated. It's not reanimated. To a, to a nanobot created, ver- to a weird golem <laughs> version of her husband. Yes. I mean, so it's, we're... It's all false. To, That's what she's learning. We're supposed to be with her the whole time until we kind of realize the error of her ways, and then we're supposed to be with her to kind of realize what's been going on. She's and then at the end, death. there's supposed to be this emotional moment of her <laughs> saying, it's been you this whole time, so she's wrong? It's, yes. It's so muddled. Well... You cannot disagree that this is it's not. Oddly possible. enough, I mean, I feel like this is really in tune with Wally Fister coming from working with Nolan. I mean, yeah, he just oh, it's, doesn't it's, have it's the ending of Inception. Character beats that really stick the landing. No, yeah. but think of the ending of Inception. Like that spinning top. A, we've been established that we know what it means the entire time. We understand what it means. No, the top, no, I don't think top, there's. Hang a... on, don't interrupt me. <laughs> we've it's been established that what it means for the top to spin, for the top to stop spinning, what it means if it doesn't stop spinning. We understand the emotional significance he holds to it we understand the place that he is we understand what he wants when we don't know if that top stops spinning it drives people crazy you have this really strong attachment to whether or not that happens nothing like that is attached to these sunflowers or to this couple or to the idea of whether or not he is evil computer there's no emotional significance to it because <laughs> it's not in the story i i don't think there's a spinning top moment in transcendence but it's they're trying to the sunflowers are supposed to be one it's not supposed That's to how be well. No, spin, the spinning top is about ambiguity. Um, sunflowers is a moment of hope, but hope being that we can't eliminate the bad technology that we that has turned our our lives into post apocalypse. You know, uh, this this is. There, I don't think there's ambiguity here. I- I mean, I think there's ambiguity. But but you're raising ambiguity by thinking that Rebecca Hall's line about Will is whether it was the true Will or just a fabrication. If she comes to some sort of epiphany I about don't, his humanity, and I don't, I don't, I don't think, think it's we're there. supposed to. I don't think we're supposed to think that we're supposed to doubt what she said. I think we're supposed to believe what she believes, which is that it was him the whole time. Because there's no indication in the film that there's anything else. I mean, except for the fact that he is trying to cleanse the world. I mean, I think the most important thing here is that Will loved innovation and that he wanted to create and just see the potential of technology built by humans. He didn't care how it was really used. Uh, And Evelyn, Rebecca Hall, uh, wanted to save the world. And that's kind of a key point they emphasize. And yet, Didja, Johnny Depp... Um, wants to save the world. He wants to to make the world a better place, even through violence and cleansing and that sort of thing. Which means it's not him. Why why would he do this if suddenly this is just he's not acting like himself? Which means it can't be him. So despite the fact that he manifests himself with nanobots, it cannot be him. Uh, and she comes to that understanding that he that the true Will Caster died before, uh, and that she Ugh. needs to die. I, <laughs> I just want to know, like, why I love Paul Bettany so much and why he has Paul so Bettany. little to do in this movie after the halfway mark. 
I love Paul Bettany. I didn't was the a, did the action the work for you in this movie? Like that's what I really want to know. Like I, I kind of dug it. Like all the driving around, like the shootouts and the driving around. If these two had been gelled together in a more coherent way, I think I would have really loved Transcendence. I just wanted a movie about her on the run on the land with her computer husband. Uh, if only she had more to do. I I really don't understand how. Um, how a computer entity can build a fortress in the middle of the desert over the course of two years and not be detected by the U.S. government or be, like, investigated or, or be nuked at some point. <laughs> like, you're building this uh, this army. What is going on? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And yet, and yet, I fight against the instinct to um, nitpick this movie for loopholes and logic lapses in logic because I, I feel like nit- it. I feel like it makes sense within the context of itself. And then I think <sighs> that's important. no, that's I don't what's want, important. I wouldn't nitpick if it had made emotional sense, but it doesn't hold together. You're right, you're right. I, I don't. I don't feel anything when this movie ends, and it really wants me to feel it, something. There's it's too just- many generic parts of this movie. I think that's key here. I don't think Wally Fister is really doing anything interesting, which is surprising no. because he is a visualist. Um I just I feel like he the set of Thor. He is imitating yeah, the set of Thor. I obviously I am a music person and I was extremely disappointed with Michael Dana's score, which is totally generic and everything just looks plain. I mean, and that's what it's going for. It's going for plain and grounded and realistic. And time and time again, I think this and movies just become too realistic, and they they beg us to compare them to reality, which works against them. We we find loopholes and and lapses in logic because um, they're too close to truth, but they'll they'll never be because they have to make the jump. They have to have nanobots fighting humans with guns. So I uh, I have one other thing to say, and I wish I'd said this before we went into spoilers, but uh, Rebecca Hall and Johnny Depp have a 19 year age gap between them. No one addresses this in the movie. It is seen as completely reasonable that Rebecca Hall, who was born in 1982, would be married to Johnny Depp, who was born in 1963. And that drives me. This is my new pet peeve, and it's popping up all over the place, and we have to talk about it. Otherwise, it will just keep happening. Why is it a big deal for you? Because women are consistently cast with men who are dramatically older than them, and it's presented as completely rational. Where it's not, it's not commented upon, and there's no way you would see the reverse happen. You would never cast a man with a wife who is 20 years older than him and have it not be a plot point. It would never happen. I I agree with you. I mean, I, I it, yeah, it's, it's not. I it's mean, definitely a problem. Do you think it's more? Do you think it's like less noticeable for people when it's a man and a woman? Yeah, because people expect women to be ageless, and then they cast. 40 or no 50 year old movie stars but do you think it's because women don't date down like a woman wouldn't consider dating down no it's because women are not allowed to look old so they cast a 30 year old opposite i'm just trying to play devil's advocate here because i don't know a lot of women who date down no this is not like dramatic this is not an anecdotal situation this is what hollywood is doing (laughs) what do you really want women to never is this coming from your true life Yeah, it's coming from my true life in which I am married to a 13-year-old because he is uh, is 16 years younger than me. Uh, In Hawaii, that sounds like it's legal. But, um... I, yeah, I don't. I don't know so where that stupid. double standard comes from, but I yeah, but do. It, oh, I, I do exactly think it's where. It, come on, you know exactly where it comes from. I mean, but but men look old. I mean, old men still look old. Yeah, because men are allowed to age and women aren't. 
but that must I feel like that comes from somewhere beyond pop culture. I think that comes from it comes from beauty standards. I think uh, no, but it comes from it comes from like relationship. Circuit. Her love interest was Eric Bana, who was born in 1968. Slightly less of an age gap, still significant. I think I just think it comes from a relationship thing, like what? that women date older men. No, and, it and comes rarely from do women see... not being allowed to look old on camera. I don't know. May, you might. You're, I mean, you're probably correct, but do women appear older on camera than men? I mean, old no, men no. still look, look kind of old. Look at Julia Roberts. Does Julia Roberts look like she's fifty? No. Is she yeah, 50? because she's not allowed to look like she's fifty. So she could still. I mean. Julia what, what about um, Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock in? Yeah, but that was a plot point. The whole point was that she was older than him. That was a significant part of the story. Hmm. Okay. Y- you win. Yep. <laughs> There's a problem. I Listeners, guess. But- give me an example of a woman being cast with a younger man, significantly younger man, and having it not being commented upon. I would love to be proven wrong. I really don't think this is happening. This happened when Alison Brie was cast to play Wolf Ferrell's fiance. Yeah, that really riled you up on Twitter. That made me really mad because it's the same thing. Let's see. Wolf Ferrell was born in 1967, and Alison Brie, I'm looking this up as we speak, was born in 1982. Not even as big an age gap as Does Rebecca Hall. Does she share a birthday with Rebecca Hall? Uh, I don't think so. Allison Brie is December, ni- December 29th, 1982. What if they did? Rebecca Hall is May 3rd, 1982. Oh, so, so slightly older. Birthday. Happy birthday, Rebecca Hall. I'm sorry that you keep having it <laughs> together. Opposite old man. Um, Remember that time you were James McAvoy's love interest and started for 10, and you guys are the same age. And you that was love her. that movie, too. I do. No, he's three years older than her. So it makes more sense. Transcendence. Um, we, we think this movie is better than. I mean, I feel like we've been kind of ragging on it. There are a lot of things the, that drive in me the end easy. here. What do we like about this movie? I mean, I I think you and I were both kind of positive on it. Well, there are a lot of times. If you're allowed to sit there and kind of when someone says something like it's a Y2K scenario and look at the person with you and laugh, then you'll have a good time. And I said I saw this with our friend Jordan Hoffman, who was always game to scoff at some dumb fake science line and uh, we had a good time yeah he thought this was very connected to star trek the next generation uh we couldn't convince him to come on and explain that side i don't know if i want him to but uh it's out there uh, i don't understand why transcendence has a 14 percent on rod tomatoes this is no, really I getting get under it's really getting under my skin for some reason i just feel like <laughs> i don't know if people are out to get this movie um it's it's pseudo intellectual for sure but it's strive it has an ambition to at least i think in the opening act it really grounds itself in in research and it has a foundation of reality that I can appreciate. Um, I'd rather see movies like Transcendence take a leap at truth than, you know, another Michael Bay movie or just all the, all these stupid, stupid movies, all these science fiction movies that have their, their, their fantasy, but they're dumb fantasy. Like either go all the way and can tell me that you're, you're lying about everything that you're making up your own rules and your own logic or, do something like transcendence and like dive into an aspect of science and research and explore it in a fictional way. Um, my biggest problem is that transcendence insists on actually having an evil computer at some point manifesting itself in a, in a true adversary. I wish it could just be like Colossus, the, the Forbin project, which is basically just a big old computer in a room telling people they're going to get nuked if they don't obey him. Um, I wish Transcendence could just be 
Johnny Depp in a room telling people he was going to destroy the world and insisting that he has the power. It can't be. Um, so it falls apart. But I think there's a lot going I think there's a lot right in this movie. See it with your proper sci-fi nerd friend who will laugh at all the nonsense. And then look up whether or not copper wiring can block electric magnetic, magnetic sen- oh, signals. Right. Spoiler alert, it can. Is that true? It's true, according to Wikipedia, which knows everything. So if you want to, if you want to create a sanctuary in your backyard where you cannot get cell phones, rather than turning off your phone, build a copper by extremely expensive copper wire. We where do we recommend Home Depot? This review brought to you by Home Depot. question yeah i think it was in honor of fargo the new television show on fx which i still need to catch up with what seems to be uh getting some solid reviews what have you what have you read about it you, i've heard nothing but good reviews oh, it's on hulu we both need to watch it next time um but what what is a 90s movie uh that you would want to see turned into a television show uh i guess i go first sure uh, I'm going with Eric D. Snyder, who is turning what is a terrible remake idea into a wonderful idea by suggesting the young Mrs. Doubtfire Chronicles. I have no idea how that would work. It would make absolutely no sense. No, no, no. What do you mean? It would be like the nanny or Mr. Belvedere. But, but how would it be a younger? How, how is it a prequel to Mrs. Doubtfire? Because he isn't Mrs. Doubtfire until the movie starts. Well, it would be a younger person than Robin Williams. So it's someone who's always been dressing as Mrs. Doubtfire. So it's still so, an old woman dressing as Mrs. Doubtfire, but now you have a younger actor playing I think them. this is basically the Murder, She Wrote remake you've been That's writing. what I want. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> if only that was a movie that I could t- return into a mo- uh, TV show. Anyway, what what was my answer? My answer is going to be um, at uh, Cold Milk, Chris Cookson, a longtime listener, uh, who says, Men in Black was a great 90s cartoon, but the blend of action and witty, goofy comedy would be great for live-action TV. I agree. Um, Katie, you and I saw Men in Black 3 together. Yeah. We actually liked it. I, yeah. I remember almost nothing about it, really. And, and the cartoon that they came out with, the kind of spinoff was, I mean, it is an episodic. Oh, it could totally be like, <laughs> yeah. it'd be like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but fun. But Yeah, but like with a sense of humor. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it would be really expensive. We almost have the budget to do them. No, I think we have... The special effects budget now. To you and do me. Men in Black. We we personally yeah. with Dave. Dave can animate. Yeah. I feel like Dave, the Men in Black. If you're show. listening to this, <laughs> let's do it. Perfect. Um, I think that does it for today's fighting in the war room. We'll be back next week. Um, I don't know what we're reviewing. I don't think I'm around for it because I have to go get married. Yeah, Goodbye. go get hitched. Won't see you for a while. Um, actually, I'll be on the main episode. We'll be back. Uh, in the meantime, Patches, it's just you. It's me. I am Matt Patches, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches, and I'm writing all over the place these days still, and I'm uh, putting it all on mattpatches.com, which is my Tumblr. So if you have a Tumblr, tumble me. Is that what they say? Yeah, I think that's what kids say. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. I know exactly what the kids are saying these days on the tumbles, and uh, you can find me at Vanity Fair's Hollywood at... Uh, 
and on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. A little bit of America in my life. A little bit of America by my side. A little bit of readers, all I need.